Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, it's good to be back yet again. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. If you wouldn't mind, find Ephesians chapter 4 and just hold your spot there. Find Ephesians chapter 4 and hold your spot there. I'll give you another text to turn to, and we'll actually start a different spot. Ephesians chapter 4, when you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, hold that spot. Then turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start reading there. So my wife called me out today. Yesterday I got up and said, you know, Sunday morning, pastor told me what time to quit. And Sunday night he told me what time to quit. He didn't tell me what time to quit tonight, so I'll just keep preaching. She was like, he told the whole church it's from 7 to 8. So <laughs> so I got, I'm watching. I, I'll, I'll be a good boy tonight. I'm sorry. But uh, I'm going to read a few verses here and then I'll pray. And I want you to follow along tonight. I'm going to talk tonight about... This is a topic that for certain reasons I've never felt I've never felt like I needed it as much. And then I experienced something a few years ago and I needed this for the first time. And I the more and more I thought about it, the more I realized that this is this topic is a topic that many of us need and I don't feel like we hear enough about it. And so the Lord has really put it on my heart of trying to get a clear message to preach about this topic to really help us. And so tonight I'm going to, to preach on the topic of bitter roots grow bad trees. Bitter roots grow bad trees. And so uh, look with me, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lord God, I do love you. I thank you for your goodness, and I have been blessed to be here. The fellowship, the spirit, it's been sweet. I've enjoyed my time. I look forward to what uh, to you meeting with us right now and again tomorrow night. But God, I don't want to do it in my power, so I'm yielding. I'm yours. Use me tonight to preach your word the way you'd have it be preached for your purpose, for your glory, for your will. I pray that each person here would open their hearts up likewise and just be here to hear from you. God, you speak to hearts. As I try on the outside, God, I pray you would accomplish your will in the hearts. For Christ's sake, amen. Now, I want to look at, I am going to come down there. I'd just like to be close. I'm so glad Pastor asked you all to move forward. I kept thinking, man, do I, do I have that type of relationship with these people yet? Because I was going to do it myself. <laughs> so, uh, but I want you to just, just follow along with me here. So this is going to be, again, similar to yesterday, how it was a little bit more Bible study. But, um, uh, but we're still going to uh, get some preaching in there, too. But I want you to look at these two ideas that are listed together. It says, follow peace with all men. And it says, follow after holiness. It puts these right together. These are actually together here, okay? But he says, follow peace with all men. Peace means to set as one again. And so, you know, it's like uh, me and Pastor, we, we were, were good friends, and we were traveling life, and, and we are in agreement. And then something happens. He hurts me, I hurt him. But either way, there's an offense. And so we part ways. 
that word peace means to be set at one again. It means that we come back together. We can walk side by side now. We agree again. We fix the problem that separated us. That's what the word peace here means. And the Bible says that we should follow peace with all men. Where it says all men, do you know what that means? All men. That, just, that means everybody. I wish it had a crafty thing. You know in the Greek, no. Nope. <laughs> it just means everybody. We are to, when we have a problem, we are supposed to fix it with everybody. Now, I know you're already thinking, well, that's impossible. But I want us to really, really, really try to get the big picture. And then when you see how big a deal it is, it might, you, you might not want to give yourself an out anymore. You might want to say, no, maybe I really do need to try to make peace with all men. Now, so let's go through it, though, and see. So then it says, so it says, looking, I'm sorry, it says, follow uh, peace with all men and holiness. Puts these together. I just think it's neat how it puts them together. And uh, so it's telling you to also follow after holiness. That's a, a purification, sanctification. So that's, that's the same idea that the Old Testament illustrates. When you have all these things they would have to do, they'd have to wash their hands a certain way, change their clothes for certain activities. Certain things happen. They would have to take seven days where they weren't allowed to be with other people and do things like that. All these purification rituals, they would do certain things. They'd have to make certain types of sacrifice. And there was all these very specific rules in the the whole idea was you have something that you have to practice regularly to keep you set apart to God. Now, I want you to understand that's a big deal. Now, we don't follow all those rituals now. But remember, the Old Testament is a picture of the truths that we are to live by. Every day we need to wash our hands of our sin. Every day we need to, 1 John 1, 9, we need to confess our sins and He is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Every day that needs to be a part of our lives. You understand that these are things that are illustrated for our benefit today. And just like it's important for me to stay right with God every single day, it's telling us it's important for me to stay right with man every single day. Y'all see that? Follow after, or follow peace with all men and holiness. I don't think it's just two words put together. I think he's saying exactly what I just said. You stay right with God every day and you stay right with each other. Without which no man shall see the Lord. And, uh, uh, and so here we go to verse 14, and if, or 15, and it further, further illustrates. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest the root, root of bitterness, we'll get to the root of bitterness in just a minute, but I want you to see this. It says, looking diligently, and I want you to understand, in 1 Peter, is another place where it uses the same word that's translated to looking diligently as in 1 Peter, talking to the pastor. And it says, uh, Peter told the pastors, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof taking the oversight thereof. And so all of us, we would look at pastor and we would say, hey, we understand that that's your job. You have to feed the flock. You have to give the people spiritually what they need to grow and to be healthy Christians. And that's your responsibility that you have to take the oversight thereof. And it's saying here the same word, and we would look at him and we would always say, well, yeah, duh, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. But God's saying to the Christian, no, you're supposed to take some oversight of some stuff too. Because it is your responsibility here to look diligently to do these things in verse 14, to get along with each other and to keep yourself right with God. Now, y'all following me? So, again, just like the pastor is responsible for taking oversight of the flock, you and I are responsible to look diligently to see that we get along with each other. Now, verse, uh, or I'm sorry, 
it says in here, if we don't, we can fail the grace of God. Now, listen, this is, I, I, this is, I think there's things like this. This is one example of stuff that sometimes people read and they get totally confused about. It does not say that grace fails here. It doesn't say, it's not teaching us of some idea of falling from grace. It's not teaching us the idea of losing salvation, like you can do something to lose salvation or to, to where the grace that saves you can fail. There's no way for grace to fail. It's not saying that the grace will fail you. It's saying that you can fail the grace. And what I mean by that is, uh, well, I'll explain it to you in just a second, but I heard an illustration years ago, and I just want to retell it. So uh, the idea of losing your salvation or falling from grace, imagine with me, pause, just imagine with me, you're a guy, and you met a girl named Grace, and you love Grace, and she makes your heart do that, right? And so you decide one night you can't take it anymore. You're going to get Grace and just run away with her. And so you go get a ladder, and you put it up to her window, and you climb up to her window, and you knock on her window, and you say, Grace, I love you. Run away with me. And she looks at you, and she grabs the top of the ladder, and she pushes. You are falling from Grace, and you're falling from grace because you never got to her. You understand? If you had grace, she wouldn't have rejected you. But she let you fall because you never actually got to her. And if you actually get grace, you're never going to lose grace. And I know that's silly, but I always wanted to repeat it. Or another preacher say it. Now, but the truth is that you can't lose grace. But you can fail grace. Now, let me, I'm going to explain to you what that means, what I, what I mean by that. In just a minute, but I want you to, uh, well, just listen. If you want to try to turn quickly to look at it for yourself, I'm going to read verses in Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11. It's a Bible conference. Let's turn, I guess. We'll turn. You would have just said preaching. I would have just told you, just trust me, but it's a Bible conference. So in the South, they say we're going to have preaching, <laughs> but we're having a Bible conference. So turn in your Bibles. Chapter 11 of Second Corinthians, verse 23 it says, this is Paul talking. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more and laborers and labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prison more frequently and deaths oft. of the Jews. Five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and day. I have been in the deep in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, and fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." So Paul said, I have this happen, and this happen, and this happen, and this happen. And I'm sure there's people in this room, and maybe not all the time, but at least for some season, it's just that's how it feels like. And uh, it really is hard to compare yourself to Paul, but it's just it's a great illustration with what I'm about to show you here. But just think about your life, and, and have you ever had seasons where it's like this happened bad, and then this happened bad, and then this went wrong? And that's why we have expressions like, when it rains, it pours, which is fitting for right now, because it's been raining and pouring outside, right? And so, but we see that and see sometimes that these things happen and life's not fair. I mentioned yesterday about my laptop being stolen and that feeling. And, I, and you know, the time when I, uh, 
uh, when I was robbed and that feeling. And, and when these things happen, it makes you feel like life can be so unfair. And I imagine that there was times when Paul was trying to live for God and do something for Jesus. And these bad things always happened to Paul. And there must have been something inside of him because he was human like you and I that said, this is just not fair. Why does this always happen to me? But look what he said in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, write it down if you'd like to look it up later. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with, with me. And so lots of times we think that these things aren't fair and we don't like those uh, things that happen to us, these negatives. But you understand that the truth is, is that when you actually think about it from a, from a Bible perspective, the last thing that we really want is for life to be fair. You understand? The last thing that you really want, because if life were fair, you and I would die and go to a real literal burning hell. But it is grace that I get instead of fair, and grace is way better than fair. And if I had to choose between life being fair and getting grace, I'd much rather have grace. And Paul, who experienced all these bad things, said, all these bad things happened to me, but you know what? That's okay, because the grace of God was upon me. And that grace made it to where I can deal with the shipwreck. I can deal with the heartbreak and the heartache. You know, he turned the world upside down and then they all turned their backs on him. I cannot imagine. That's why he says, after all those things, being shipwrecked, being beaten, being tortured, being in prison, all those things, on top of that, you know what he was saying? You know what's even a bigger deal than all that? Every day I've got to care for the people in the church. That's what he said. But he had that grace. Now, I want you to think about this. We fail grace when we, listen, God gives us this grace. God saves us by grace. Grace does not fail us, but we fail grace when we don't give other people, we who are saved, who experience the grace of God, when we can't give that same grace to somebody else. We fail grace. And this happens. So what? Uh, what happens then? I can't lose my salvation, but what am I risking if I fail grace by not keeping peace with all men? A root of bitterness springs up. A root of bitterness springs up. And now, I want to be real careful with this because there's things that we go through where people truly have bad things happen to them. And I understand that. But you've got to understand, just like we talked about Job, you know, that thing may have surprised you, but it didn't surprise God didn't. Sometimes that is a hard reality to face, especially when we're trying to do right. But you're trying to do right and something bad happens to you, you understand that God knew and that God still has a plan of grace to perform in your life in spite of that circumstance. By the way, when that person hurts you, God knew and he still wants you in grace to make peace with that person. You say, but it wasn't my fault. He never said that. He never said if it's, if it's their fault. He didn't say that. He said, I'm giving you the responsibility that you need to diligently, this is how you spend your life. You need to stay right with me, but you need to stay right with your fellow man. But they did this to me and hurt me. I, I, I didn't ask you what they did. I told you that if I give you grace, I expect you to give them grace. If we fail 
the grace of God, guess what happens? We get the root of bitterness, not the other person. Or they may, but it's irrelevant. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Okay? We get the root of bitterness. You understand, uh, you know, in biology, I taught biology several years one of the things that we teach the kids is about germination. You know, you have a little seed and you plant it. And the first thing that happens when that seed germinates, you don't see anything above the dirt. Okay? But two, two parts are going to shoot out of that seed. There's going to be what's called a, a, a radical and a plumule. The radical is the root system shoots down. Sometimes for the little kids, we just teach shoots and roots. Or shoots and roots, sorry. But those roots start growing down before the part comes out the top. You understand that sometimes things happen to us and it looks fine on the outside. But there is this root growing. And that root's going to grow into something. That root's going to become something. And we need to be careful about what that root becomes. Now, that was all just the introduction. So now I want to show you now just how bad this tree is. The tree that grows from bitter roots. So turn over to Ephesians 4 with me. And we see in this text the growth of the bitter tree. Ephesians 4, verse 31, it says, it makes a list. I told you last night, when you see a list, just pay attention to the list. When God puts a list in the Bible, they're there for a reason. You need to start thinking, how do these things in this list relate to each other? But I want you to see this because, because this, I think this will help you, okay? So, first of all, well, let's just read the verse. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. What are these words? Well, bitterness is the root. We talked about this already. That's something you perceive as an injustice done to you, and that leaves you with this bitter taste in your mouth. That's why it's called bitter. The, 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 the word it comes from is just that's what it means. It means this, this some, like an acid taste in your mouth, almost like a, a, acidity. Now, it's something, uh, some offense or offender makes you the offended. And this happens to all of us at some point. Jesus said that it's, it's going to happen. Okay? Uh, offenses are going to come. Let me see. Uh, Liam, do you mind helping me? Or, you okay? You got arms in there? Come here, bud. So, uh, just to make sure we, we understand here. So, Liam, I'll let you help me. And, Pastor, you don't have to get up. But, but so, let's say that Pastor does something and hurts Liam's feelings. Okay? Just to make sure we're staying clear on this. So, so Pastor, uh, Pastor, I, don't, I, I should have thought this through a little bit more. I, I don't want to use the Pastor, actually, because I don't want to say the Pastor did something bad. Hey, sir, how are you? My name's Phil. I'm a nasty guy. A nasty Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, anyone? No, I'm joking. Nasty guy. All right, and so, so um, uh, he's mad because Liam always leaves his bike out in the driveway, and so he runs over Liam's bike on purpose. That's the first thing that came to mind. Sorry. So he's the offender, he's the offended, okay? And we're going to keep that in mind just so we can go through these words and understand. You okay with helping me, Liam? I didn't ask you beforehand. You don't have a choice, right? Okay. All right. So now, and so this happens. Somebody's going to do something that you don't like. Sometimes it's something trivial, and sometimes it's real hurts. And I understand that. But look what happens. It says, let all bitterness and wrath. It shows a progression. Let's look at what these words mean. Wrath. Wrath is the retaliation. Wrath is, this is directed from the offended back at the offender. The 
the, the, the word implies is fierce indignation. It is this right here. He's the offender, and he does something to him, and he becomes the offended. And so now he retaliates back to him with indignation. And how can you do this to me? And that's how he feels about him. But you understand that if he, So this right here needs to be fixed. This right here needs to be fixed. But the problem is, it was his fault. He doesn't care about being right with God because he's a nasty guy. He told us that already, right? But he's not. He loves the Lord, right? Right? Yeah. All right. He loves God. But this offense has already taken place. He's hurt now by this guy. And he doesn't want to tell this guy anything because he's mad at him. That's the wrath. And part of you says, yeah, he shouldn't have ran over his bike, right? Jerk, right? Now wait, watch this, watch. Then it goes on to anger. This is the retrogress. This is a deterioration into a worsened condition. This reaches beyond the source of bitterness and takes it out on others. It's a violent passion, a desire to punish because you're now an angry person. And so he, got, he hurt him, so he's hurt. And he has wrath towards him, but because he doesn't do anything about it, that root grows in his heart. And now not only does he have wrath towards him, now he has anger. And she looks at him wrong, and now he's snapping at her when she didn't do anything. But he's an angry person now. And then he's looking at all y'all like, why are you looking at me? She shouldn't have looked at me like that. Now I'm mad at you all. You see, you've seen angry people before. They're just angry. And the truth is, it's probably somebody in their past hurt them, and it just grew out of control in their heart. So we have the offender offends the offended, and then he has an offense, a root of bitterness takes up in his heart. And then he has wrath towards the offender. And now he has anger to everybody else around him. Watch this. The next word we have is clamor. This is the ridiculousness. This is, this is the memes. Do you remember? I, I bet everybody in this room has seen, seen it because I've seen so many of them. You remember, I think it's when Trump won or something, and, and they had this meme that was going around of this person with that uh, little like beanie on, and she was just screaming, Yeah! Y- y'all have seen that, anybody? Am I the only one? No. Can't be. Anyways, I, I almost gave it to him to put up on the thing, and I was like, nah, I don't want them to think I'm getting political. He's back there cheering me on. You know the one I'm talking about. Now, look, you, you know, that's why we have terms like uh, 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 they, they call certain people snowflakes. Now, I'm not, I promise you I'm not trying. I know this usually refers to one side of the political aisle than, more than the other, but really they're, both, they're on both sides. And the whole idea of being triggered. And a conservative might make fun of a liberal and say, ah, oh, they're, they're triggered. I'd have a trigger warning because you'll get mad if I misuse your gender, right? And we, we, that's the world that we live in now. But the truth is, is that people on the other side, we get triggered too. But that's what I'm talking about. It's this ridiculousness that now I'm mad at him because of what he did to me. I'm mad at the people around me. But I'm not just mad at them. I'm mad at the whole world. The whole world has to bow down to my emotions and do what I want or I'm going to be mad at everybody. Where does that come from? That's crazy to live that way. Who can live that way? You don't start off that way. You start with a bitterness that you don't take care of with somebody. Now, I want you to think about this. The next thing, this one. Now, listen, this is a progression that God shows in the Bible. Just 
The next one says evil speaking. This is the reviling. That word evil speaking is translated literally from the word blasphemy. The Greek word blasphemy in the Bible is this right here, evil speaking. It is not, it's to us, we would read it, Pastor, I would read, I've read it all, all since I've been reading the Bible and thought, oh, that's talking bad. It's not just talking about talking bad. It's talking about talking bad about God. And you say, how could a person ever go get there? You understand, it's not always, even though it says evil speaking, it's from the word blasphemy, which does mean talking bad about God or talking, using God out of, out of, out of uh, uh, you know, using his name out in vain. And the idea here is that you have now gotten yourself to the point where your lifestyle contradicts God. Your lifestyle, your emotion, your attitude is an offense to God. Your attitude is blasphemous because you're supposed to be his child and you're mad at everybody. Y'all see that? And then it ends with, it says, and with all malice. The final result, malice is evil and wickedness. It comes with these things. You understand that? You okay? <laughs> I'm making you stand up here all day, right? And so the offender, I'm mad at him. But you know what? There's some sin involved there. I'm not supposed to be angry at him. I'm not supposed to have that attitude. There's some malice right there. And now I'm mad at them un- unnecessarily. They didn't do anything. Okay, guess what? That's sin. That's more malice. That's more evil. That's more wrongdoing. I'm mad at the whole world. I got an attitude with everybody. I got a grudge. I got a chip on my shoulder. You know what? That's more sin. That's more malice. Uh, uh, and then, of course, blasphemy. That's more malice. And that's why it's listed that way. Thank you, brother. You can go ahead and sit down and get a coffee up. So, bitterness and then wrath and then anger and then clamor and then evil speaking and all these things have this thing called malice attached to them. And now we've come full, full circle. Check this out. Now, y'all can still hear me. There. Oh, there we go. We have power. You know, the preachers used to give the PA guys a hard time. I do not do that. Do you know why? Because they give you these things already turned on, but they're muted. So, like, they can hear me sing. I'm not a good singer. They hear me. I, I went earlier, and I, I took it back off because I was like, oh, I should go to the bathroom before we get. So I was like, I'm not going to the bathroom with a microphone. That's so, you know. And uh, uh, But uh, I don't, man, the PA guy, he might have some dirt on me here. <laughs> I'm over here talking to my wife, whispering in her ear. And, uh, but he's got me. Y'all can't hear me, but he can. So I don't mess with the PA. Hey, man, you're the best. I love you, brother. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, 
And be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And you say, oh, that's all I have to do is be nice and stuff, right? And that's what it's saying. It's saying I just need to be kind. You need to understand this. Let me, let me just tell you real quick. I, I have a, uh, you know, we live in a pretty dense area right outside of Baltimore. We have a, we have a, uh, we have a great house. We love our house, uh, but it's a very small yard. We have like one of those little above ground pools and, um, and there's like a little, uh, like one of those little plastic pond inserts there. Like I used to have in my bedroom with my snakes. And then there's a little rose bush. Now, a couple years ago, a pin oak tree started growing right in the middle of the rose bush. But there's, you know, there's uh, thorns on the rose bush. So I was like, I'm going to leave it there. I ain't messing with it. Well, then it started to get big, and it was ugly. I said, okay, well, i got to take care of it. So I, so I got little clippers, and I reached down there, and I was like, I couldn't really yank it out. I tried yanking it, and it just kind of snapped off. And so then I just reached down to the bottom, and I, I clipped the bottom with a you know, little pair of garden shears. Well, the next year, guess what happened? The pin oak starts growing back. And I clipped it once, and still by the end of the year, it was as tall as the rose bush again. And this is the fourth year we've lived in the house, and that stupid pin oak is still growing in my rose bush. I cut it back and cut it back and cut it back. The reason it keeps coming back is because the root is still there. You understand? I can walk around and try to be nice to everybody. I can be nice to you. I'm sorry he yelled at you. I can be nice to you. I can be nice to you. But that bitterness is still in my heart, my heart because you didn't cause the bitterness. He did. You see, it's not telling me, oh, you got bitter. He hurt me. I had bitterness in my heart, so I'm going to be extra nice to my wife. No. I need to, I need to kill it at the root. I need to be nice to him. And that's possibly the hardest thing you'll ever do in your Christian life. You understand? You say... Uh, yeah, I have to. I, it, it makes sense a, a little bit, right? And, and so we understand in concept, but the truth is, is, is how do you do? You know, how do you actually do it? How do you actually do it? You know, and, and sometimes the offenses are, are, they're, they're big. You know, we'll get you a new bike, buddy. It's okay. It's not really a big deal. You know, that's some problems you just throw money at, right? Get you a new bike. But sometimes people hurt you in ways, you know, that's why some people are called offenders. You know, there's, there's, there's people who are on special lists. And you say, well, when you have, I'm obviously trying to be sensitive here. When you have a hurt that's a little deeper than destroying some property, when you have a hurt that's a little deeper, something that's emotional, something that goes back to maybe childhood, or somebody who just really, really did you wrong, you understand, somebody who you loved, who hurt you in a way, that was unlike any pain you ever felt. You have that feeling, and it's like, how do I be nice to them? How in the world do I kill this root when it means, even though they did that to me, I have to go to them? Well, it's, it says in here, it says, Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even... As God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's it, even as God. That word even is the, the, the key word there. You say, oh, I'll just be nice. But no, you have to be nice the way God was nice. God went ahead and he paid for the wrong that was done by the offender. And so let's think about this. Turn to Romans chapter 4 real quick.
Romans chapter 4, when you're there, say amen. Now, just to catch up so we don't have to go back uh, too much before this, God's explaining how Abraham's faith made him righteous because he believed in God. Okay, that's a great truth. All the way back, way back before Jesus died on the cross, faith saved Abraham. He was saved by faith. He believed God. He trusted God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He got the righteousness of God on him, even though he was a sinner, not because he deserved it, but because he accepted it by faith, just like we talked about Sunday morning. Now, look at verse 21. It says, And being fully persuaded that what he, talking about God, had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him, that's Abraham, for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his, Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Okay, and so here again we have it. We've, we've been justified by faith, not of works, because we are the offenders in this story. You understand is that when we sinned, we offended God. We broke fellowship with God. And God said, I'm not going to lose you to this offense, even though you're the one who hurt me. You understand? You're the one who broke my heart with your sin. And I'm going to do something to fix this problem. I'm going to pay for your problem myself. And that's what Christ did. Now, go to the next chapter, chapter 5. Romans 5, verse 1. Look at this. You know, the chapters weren't there originally. We put those in later. Anyways, but Romans 5 picks up with the same topic here. It says, Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God made peace with us through his self-sacrifice. You understand? And this is probably the hardest thing for a Christian to do, but you... You've you got, you got to understand that as hard as it may be, you have two options here. You have two options, and either one of them hurts you. You let the root grow of bitterness, which can go with you for the rest of your life, which can hurt you, the people around you, which can make you lose your testimony, which can make you become somebody you never thought you would have been. Or you can just suck it up and swallow the pride and say, even though you hurt me, you hurt me, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it right with you. I'm going to make peace. And you say, well, why would I do that for them? You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your kids. You're doing it for your family and your loved ones around you. And you're doing it for God who has an expectation of you. And so you can be like him. You understand? I, and I don't know what it's going to take for each situation. But when this finally, you see, I'll be honest with you. For most of my life, I've had a healthy dose of flippancy. I don't care. People have done things to me that offended other people. And guess what? I don't care. Do whatever you want. I have, I'm, you know, I've mentioned that. I try not to mention politics. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I was registered Libertarian. Do you know why? Because we don't like any of you. Just leave us alone. That's how I feel. Okay? Look, my point is simple. I didn't grow up with a chip on my shoulder. I didn't have what you had, but guess what? I didn't care. You were mean to me, but guess what? Don't care. I'm going to go away from you anyways. I don't want to be your friend. That's just, I w- I've gotten through pretty far in life that way. A few years ago, somebody hurt me. And man, it hurt. And I got this 
this, this calling on my life that I know that God wants to use me to preach and to help people and to teach the Bible. And I'm thinking, how can I do that if there's bitterness in me that's going to make me angry, that's going to make me snappy, that's going to make me uh, triggered at certain things. And so this happened to me. I'm going to testify here. Uh, It was a couple years ago now. But it was when the political cycle was all crazy. And uh, I guess that was just last year. But, um, but, you know, it was just, it was everywhere. And I was hearing it nonstop. You know, I was hearing all the political stuff nonstop. And I was getting mad about it. I was just, I thought it was all so ridiculous. And then a family member of mine posted stuff, something. Now, if you go look on my Facebook, I hardly ever post anything. You know, I'm one of the, 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 uh, the Facebook stalkers. You know, I don't, I don't say anything myself. I just see what y'all are doing, and then I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. And, you, and uh, you, you would think I'm never on there, but it's just because I don't post stuff, right? But I was on there one day, and a family member of mine posted something about uh, voting for the current president and how we had an obligation to do it. And then she put, what would Jesus do? And I don't know, this may be the first time I've ever truly been triggered, but I lost it. And I wrote this long message. I never write messages on, I never, that's not me. I don't think you should do it. I don't think I should do it. It was wrong, okay? I was wrong. But I wrote this message and I chewed her out, telling her that Jesus wouldn't abort babies and I was going, I was going to town and all that stuff. And I was just, and I was just letting her have it. Because I didn't like the fact that she put the what would Jesus do on there, you know. I was triggered. And I put that on there. And she, was, she saw what I was doing. And she was like, nope, you, nope, stop right now. And I was like, sin. <laughs> and she was, like, she was like, oh, you've done it now. And obviously my family member didn't like it very much. But I, I was like, I don't care. I'm block her. Block you. Block you. I don't, I don't care. You know. Uh, but I realized as soon as I did it that even, I know I'm right on that. You know, I, I don't, again, I hate talking about politics, but I, I care more about the life of unborn children than I do about any of their other talking points. Okay, it trumps everything. No pun intended with the Trump part. And so, but I realized in that moment I lost. Because she's not saved. And guess who she ain't listening to about salvation? You know who she knows as a Christian? Me. Do you know who she doesn't like anymore? (laughs) Me. I became that person in that moment. From that bitterness that I was letting start to creep up in my life. And I said, I am not going to become that person. I am not going to become that person. And I went... You know, texting and calling and stuff. Made it right. Went to their wedding just a couple months ago, which was a pagan wedding. But oh, are we putting this online? Can you scratch that out or something? She ain't, she ain't watching it anyways. But my point is this: is that <clears throat> I've made good with her because if I don't, I'm gonna have that bitterness still growing inside of me. I'm gonna become more of the worst that I could be. And so to go back to my hurt, I realized that that hurt 
in which I was hurt a few years back. I am working and working and working to fix that. I didn't do anything wrong. I would love if the other person made it all right, but they're not going to. But I'm going to do what I could do to make it right. You understand? It's, it's, it's better just to, to face it and to get over the pride and fix it than to become someone that you, your family, and God does not want you to be. You say, I can't do that. Do what? Be like Jesus? Because that's what it is. I don't know what will be more Christ-like that you'll ever have to do than to forgive somebody who's hurt you the way we've hurt God. And he still did it. He found a way, and he loves us. I challenge you to search your own heart for that root. Find out where it came from and fix it. And again, maybe the hardest thing you do in life, but it is probably one of the most important things that you can take care of to stay not just right with God, but right with man. But remember, they go together. They go together. Uh, let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed.